keep the microphone a little away from you because I think his is recording slightly quieter okay. and so is mine. I think those ones, since they don't have any of the fluff on it, you're just getting that straight sound. Straight <laughs> sound. The so audio. Are we, are we recording? Is yes, this is this all right? Rolling. Right Introduction. Is this right? Yeah. Could. There are could. mic stands. I just realized what that. Has what favorite? What is how? From Alaska Team Media Institute, I'm Ormond Lois. This is Film Club, a podcast series where our youth film critics and cultural connoisseurs spill the theoretical tea on a new movie. We're doing something a bit different with this episode. Rather than dish on the latest hit movie, we're turning the mic over to our own aspiring filmmakers. Emmy producers Kendrick Whiteman, Daisy Carter, Logan Tyler Smith, and A.J. Yambau all sat down to talk about their experiences making and studying films, some of the lessons they've learned along the way, the impact they hope their work will have, and much more. Here's their conversation. Well, hello there. Welcome to the Youth Filmmaker Roundtable. Before we get started, could everyone introduce yourself and give a brief explanation of how long you've been involved in making movies? Yeah, um, my name is Daisy Carter. Um, I've been making films for a long, not a long time, like not professionally, but I've always been like a writer and writing stories. And um, I'm in film school right now in at UAF, Go Nanook Nation. Um, but yeah, I, I've I love making films. I love writing. Um, and yeah. Hi, my name is AJ. Well, I've been making films for quite a bit. Um, I've been making films since I was a kid. I used to have this like VHS like camera with me and I would make little tiny movies about it. And um, I guess right now, um, I'm also making a film right now and I like to write, I like to watch anime as well. I get my, I get all of my ideas from my personal life and um, yeah. My name is Logan Tyler Smith. I'm always credited by my full name. Uh, I've been uh, attempting to make movies a handful of times when I was in, you know, grade school and I had less of an idea what I was doing. Those projects never saw the light of day. Uh, but I also, like, I, I've i always been, like, a writer. Like, that's what, and a storyteller in one form or another. And uh, I only since I was, like, maybe 18 or 19 was where I started, like, really wanting to take filmmaking seriously. So I think I answered your question. <laughs> Well, to answer my own question, my name is Kendrick Whiteman. Um, I've been making films since 2015 now, where I was working on a short documentary with my aunt, Missy Whiteman, for a festival that was taking place in uh, Minnesota. Um, other than that, I'm in my fifth year of film studies. I've uh, been making short films and documentaries, even worked on a few features. Uh, been involved with all this for a few years now. So yeah, to move on, um, could you talk about the most recent film project you worked on and what your role was and how it went and uh, how's it going? I worked on a film, uh, a actually a pilot for a TV show, a potential TV show called Tumiarka. It is a um, like Native Alaskan sci-fi comedy. Um, it, it was half in person, not half in person, half um, for like film and half on stage. Um, I was assistant director for the film part. Um, I was also like helping out with a lot of like tech work during um, the stage portion of it. Um, it was a lot of fun, learned a lot. 
Um, and yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, so for me, um, I'm working on a film, a short film called Feeling Blue, and it's about a blue bear. Um, this blue bear is, um, so he's a very shy kid and like, he's very, well, very blue <laughs> as dare I say it. Um, he's very, he's been recently going through a lot of things and like, he is, um, just dealing with a lot of like BS and stuff like that. So what he usually do to like get that stuff out is to write songs and write little movies about things. Right. And he wrote a song and he posted online. He got millions and trillions of views and now he's famous, but now he's just dealing with all these fans getting in his ways and everything like that. And I'm directing it and I'm also filming it and I'm also playing blue. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's about my film. So yeah. <laughs> the film I'm currently working on is a sort of a, indie dramedy it's a feature i think it's important to note it's not an actual like short short film but it's a feature about two friends who have to get a job at their landlord's criminal empire so that they can pay rent it's kind of funny but mostly attempts at drama and i'm doing everything directing writing i even star for a little bit of it i don't love my performance but the acting pool, I, I couldn't find anyone in time for the schedule I was wanting to work with. Uh, but, hey, I get some post-production help, so I'm happy about that. I'm working on a potential TV pilot right now called Nightmare Therapy that I have written, co-written with uh, Logan. Hi. Um, <laughs> um, I'm starring in, I'm directing, um, editing. Even making the music for it, yeah, it's been a whole lot. Been working on it since um, twenty twenty one now, um, and it's all, not even like a half hour long. So I mean, like, uh, but yeah, no, that's been a lot of work. Um, it's good to hear you guys have all been uh, staying busy and working on projects. Um, to go forward with this, um, I'd like to ask all of you, what do you think the point of films are, or just the audio visual medium in general, video, film, whatever. I guess one way of why I start filming is like really I just want to get my feelings out because um, again like what I mentioned is like all my films I've been working on has been a part of my personal life and so what I like to do about my films is like I like to take something like something ordinary from our lives and you know like we can be cook like cooking in a kitchen or like we can start working or something like that and make it extraordinary like how, let's say this, um, how I imagine it, I remember going to work one day and I just imagined um, an alien flying through a sauce, flying through the air and just grabbing me and just like turning me into something else, you know, if, if that makes any sense, like, have you guys seen the movie Nope? And have you seen like, do you know how Jordan Peele's like movies work? That's how, that's what like insp inspired me to like, make something very ordinary, but also very meaningful to something extraordinary. To kind of go off of what AJ was saying, I think um, like all art forms, it's kind of an expression of self or an expression of culture or an expression of like the world at that time. Um, so yeah, I guess my filmmaking, like filmmaking and art is just very personal. 
But why I make films is I like to explore like possibilities of like how we can integrate like, you know, different like subjects or like different, um, I don't know, just like combine different things um, together. Um, yeah, just to kind of, yeah, just have like a human expression and um, and yeah, being able to tell stories not only through like dialogue but also through music and through like costumes and through colors I think is is really interesting because in real life we don't really get to see that often you know like we don't get to see like oh if like a character is bad like they usually wear red or purple or like they were like dark colors you know like yeah I don't know it's just interesting mm-hmm. uh, I do think that uh, it should be for me personally it's first and foremost to tell a story and the range of what can be done with those stories, with those types of stories, are kind of unique to the medium. It's like telling a story through visuals, and the range and the types of stories that can be told with that are immense. And I think that you should just tell the story the way you want to tell it, which in this case happens to be through video and sound. Personally, I've always thought of film as something really special. Um, or not film, but just the ability to create videos is something very special. And in particular, being in the digital age, where a lot of media can be accessed on phones or just any way, any device that can get through the internet. So creating videos is the non-real space or creating a sense of space and time that only exists within something that's Linear, linear. You know, it's a story. It's um something that takes place over the span of minutes to sometimes hours, and sometimes that's the only way you can tell a certain story. Um, it's seeing through someone else's eyes in a universe that doesn't exist. Um, and so going into the theater is something very special. It's like a, like going into a dream temporarily where nothing else. You, like unless you're on your phone like an idiot you're you're not going to be seeing anything else there's all you're seeing and hearing is this non-real space something that is entirely not real if you take a video of something that's happening in real life it's just a collection of pixels that is recreating the image of something through photos that when put together at a high rate create video which creates the sensation of movement when you're looking at it which tricks your eyes into believing the non-real space even for such a temporary time like stuff i see on tiktok is amazing the stuff people will do with like editing and you know just uh, creativity um so i would say the point of films is 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 to express feelings or to express an idea that could not be expressed any other way through words or paintings because all those mediums exist but there's still ideas and feelings that can only be accessed through the non-real space. I feel like all kinds of movies are like a big escape from reality. Like every every time I go to a movie theater, I would just like take my mind off of everything and just just kind of watch as like the magic just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I think I have seen a lot of great movies on the small screen, but I do think the big screen is like the most immersive and kind of adds to that dreamlike feeling that you would feel and i think what's most fascinating is that like like we've had pictures and we've had like paintings and we've had like like still moving pictures but just like 
the idea of like a moving picture i think is just like so like well is just really fascinating and that, that's like what we do that's what we do is is you know make movies we make motion pictures um which is really magical i think david lynch was talking about the moment he realized he wanted to make films or that it was even a possibility um that he he was a painter and he was painting and he was looking at a painting of a field with like flowers or whatever and it was like a nighttime painting and just for a split second he was zoning out looking at the painting and he said he can hear the wind blowing through the grass and like you know and then he like see the the grass blowing and it's like oh a moving picture you know <laughs> the idea of taking reality or taking um something specific from reality or like um being at a beach and hearing the sounds and seeing the sand and the sunlight it's a such a unique experience that can be replicated or going through a forest and it's dark and it's green and you hear the crickets and the chirps and the and the cracking of branches um and so branching off into that was there any moment for you guys where you had that moment or epiphany where you realized your passion for film or that that film could be the only way you could express the feelings you feel or the stories you uh, want to tell for me it was kind of fascinating like what it was um like that aha moment i've had two of those aha moments um the first one was um, um narnia the lion the witch in the wardrobe i thought that that was a real lion like as a <laughs> kid i was like how did they train a lion to do that and my mom she didn't know she was like she's like i don't know like like maybe they trained it so then i wanted to learn more about how they did that and then i found out about cgi and like that was just like mind-blowing i was just like oh my gosh and there's just this whole process of like wow people can really do anything and make anything with cgi you know and with green screen and you can be in these worlds and i was just like wow it just really opened my eyes um and then and i think that really opened my eyes to like the technology of film at a young age um and then i think for um another one that i had was pleasantville um when i watched pleasantville that just really opened my opened my mind and like opened my eyes to um um like the not only the technical stuff but just like the dialogue and just the feeling of a film too like i kind of understood that a lot more um and um yeah like the colors and like how like the motifs and like films and stuff like that um i think those two instances but um it was funny because it like the movie pleasantville didn't hit me until like two hours later which usually happens with movies is that it won't like hit me until like later and then it just like hits me like that's that's i don't, I don't usually cry at movies i cry after movies <laughs> like that's that's my thing is it like i don't cry at movies i just like it takes a minute and then like i process it and then like i feel all the emotions you're supposed to feel um so yeah i think those two narnia and pleasant film i think those two so my aha moment for like films and stuff like that was when i started film class at uh, king tech when I started King Tech at film class, I thought it would be like, oh, this is going to be pretty cool. Like, it's not going to be like a career path for me or something like that. It's not something I'm going to do for the rest of my life. It's, but it was th until then, I uh, started directing my own film in that during that time. I was like, wow, like, this is, I did this. I, this is what I did. Like, I, I remember just like my first film I directed 
it, it was a music video um and it was a, a music video of by love on the brain by rihanna and it's all uh in this film it's all people going in slow motion and like i'm this just spray like i like throw glittered at them and i poured water at them in slow motion and stuff like that and when i finished that project i just i re i just replayed that video over and over again and just told myself like i did this like wow i really did this that's my aha moment like this is the film this is something i really want to do again like this is like it's like a kind of thrill kind of thing you know my aha moment uh kind of came at me in waves a little bit like i've always loved movies obviously since i was little the early animated films especially by pixar animated studios inspired me early on i watched other stuff that was like high concept animation that i look back later and i'm like wow the storytelling's still strong uh, and then uh, there was a, bi a big wave came when I was, like, in middle school. I, I had already, like, long passed my animation phase. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, my mom, I was going through a Star Wars phase this time because I traded out one for the other. Uh, and uh, my mom bought me a bonus material disc from the thrift store. We were at a thrift store, and I was a snotty kid who was just, like, annoyed by shopping with my mom. Uh, but she bought like the bonus material just kind of as an afterthought and uh, she's like yeah go watch it and the way I always tell the story I think she'll rebuff me if I say this uh, or she'll rebuff the fact that this was her reason I don't think it was her reason uh, she said that she might have wanted to psych me out because she thought the BTS documentaries would be boring or something mm. <laughs> uh, but jokes on her because I saw those cool like behind the scenes. I like, saw like how what happened to the lightsaber before and after and stuff like that. That was a big wave. And then in high school, my film love kind of plateaued a little bit. I read all the books I read in high school that I was assigned. So I definitely once I rediscovered film also during King Tech, but this mm -hmm. was before uh, it was an actual school. It was when uh, King Tech was just something you did when you went after service. Uh, I shadowed a uh, film class for like a week, and I'm like, yeah, this. I, I rediscovered my love of film, and I was able to transfer my love of writing I've developed during high school into that. And ever since then, it's just been one wave of inspiration after the other. You guys were lucky. Um, you guys were interested in making films in high school. Well, um, well, in high school, I had absolutely no interest at all whatsoever besides girls and football. Mm. But Ew. Uh, <laughs> Ew. Jock. <laughs> I know. Um, but no, um, after high school, after dropping out and having no general direction in life, I was working here at Abbey, um, and I really enjoyed a lot of the stuff I was doing, um, like a lot of the documentary work, working on videos, podcasts, radio stuff. Um, and I realized I have a really strong desire to be creative, but I have no idea what I wanted to do. So I tried painting and drawing and oh god i sucked at it you know it was it was horrible but um i remember just working here working on some video i was talking to our boss here at Amy, john um and he was um he was like what you never seen a racer head and i was like a racer head you know and not knowing who uh, a lot of the big artists were but I, I was like into stanley kubrick um and like that was it but he gave me his copy of the film Blue Velvet because he got uh, one of the new Criterion Blu-rays of it or something like that. And I was like, oh, God, there's two people holding each other on the cover. 
horrible. But then I ended up watching it, and I was like, oh, my God, I've never felt this way at all ever in my life, you know, mm-hmm. about anything. Um, just because of how scary and weird it was. But also so, like, it evoked such a curiosity out of me, so much, like, fascination of, like, I don't know, intrigue, an intrigue that nothing in real life has ever drawn towards me and nothing ever in real life has ever seemed that interesting you know um and so that was kind of a moment for me when I realized like wow like films can really pull some emotions out of you that like other art cannot like reading a book or listening to a music or whatever um there's certain feelings that can only be accessed through seeing and hearing something you know um other than that though I would say the original epiphany I had was watching the film 2001 um, when I was younger and I was like blown away by it because there was like no dialogue. The Space Odyssey? Yeah, yeah, 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's like this two, almost three hour long film with like barely any talking at all whatsoever. And I was like, why am I feeling something? Like, why am I just looking at this and it's making me feel a certain way? And I realized that like, when you like everyone takes photos, right? People take photos all the time. You have a like a camera on your phone, so people don't think of photos as anything special. But if you frame it right, have a person making the right face with the lighting hitting them the right way, it's a unique emotion. You are capturing a moment of like non-reality, capturing a moment of time, and putting it on some medium so where you can look at it. And when you combine those images and put them all together the Kuleshov effect I think it's called but new emotions are created by putting those photographs together and if they're all moving and conflicting with each other it's like it's new feelings new emotions things that you would have never discovered or felt by any other medium and it's beautiful um and I I think that is what in itself makes film a unique medium for art and telling stories but moving into more of the filmmaking part of everything, what was the biggest eye-opener or surprise you experienced when you first started making films? Post-production. I, as somebody, again, who's like a writer and like likes writing, and I love organizing stuff too. Like I like, I like the um, like the pre-production and, and the filming, and I like being assistant director. Like I, I, I love just like, you know, organizing and making sure we all have a schedule and we're all going like on the schedule and you know, all that going right, you know, even though most of the time it doesn't, like, you know, just, you know, keeping in order to thing, but it's just post-production that, man, just kills the vibe. Like, I, I, I just can't, like, I, I, um, I kind of joked to John, um, that I am not an editor, and I joked to my, to Jer- to Mr. Blake that I am not an editor and that I hate editing, um, which, like, after doing a year in Fairbanks, I don't hate editing anymore. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't like it. I, I don't like it. But I don't have that like distaste for it anymore where I'll be like, I will just send it off to somebody else anymore. Like, I'm like, I can do it. I that, got it. That's crazy. I uh, Editing is my favorite, favorite part where it's like pulling it all together and everything. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I pay you <laughs> to no, edit <laughs> i would i would offer to edit people's projects just because i love doing that whole process and it's like 
I would I would have everyone shoot a film for me just to edit it. I think that's crazy. Uh, no, I remember I remember somebody told me like like that's where that's where your baby gets born. I was like <laughs> really? I was like no, it you gets do. born when I put pen to paper. You, like you don't, don't want to watch the birthing process. <laughs> I was like I, I really don't. I really don't. It's just but it's funny because like I I can sit down for hours read a book i can sit down for hours write a story i cannot sit for hours and stare at a computer screen as i'm going like click move click move i, I can't that's the best part i can't do it i can't do it well now i can now i'm like okay i get it i can put two clips together but that's it i can like do like a rough draft of what i want and that's it um but the other thing that kind of surprised me was um i guess um, I think the organization part is also really hard, but that I don't mind as much as editing. Um, but yeah, just like the organizing and getting people together, I think is so hard. <laughs> like just like the getting, cause like most films are like scrapped because it's like, oh, we didn't have the right people or, oh, I didn't have the right tech or, oh, I didn't have the right this and that or the other. And yeah, just kind of getting the people together to shoot it is really hard. Um, and then also as a creative person who likes to like touch everything and likes to be like, oh, I can work camera. Oh, I can work audio. Oh, I can work this. Like handing that off to other people while you're directing it, making sure that the, sh that the shot is exactly how you want it to be is hard too. I remember um, I was doing a short film or um, I was doing a, a visual poem. Not vis oh, yeah, a visual poem for my final in my class. And um, I literally did a Zolly shot, which is which is the Hitch the Hitchcock shot, the the thing where you like pull out and zoom in, you know, or the opposite. Um, I was doing that shot for like two hours, the uh -huh. same shot, and I just I, it just didn't look right. And I was like, I am so sorry, everybody. Like it, it was so bad. I was like, I am so sorry. It just doesn't look right. Like I just don't know what to do. I don't know what it is. And then once I held it and once I did it, I was like, okay, we're good. <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, that's what I wanted. Like, that's it. So just, yeah, I think handing, handing all those like things that you want to, you know, control yourself, like handing that off to other people was really hard. Okay. I guess my first eye opener or surprise was, was definitely working with the cameras actually. Yeah. <laughs> was cause like, I remember coming into Atney and, um, um, Rose was showing me how to use the camera and stuff like that, and I was like, "Why does it look like this? What is not? Why does it? Why is it like the camera look like? Um, I can't explain it, <laughs> but like, it just didn't look. It just didn't look like um, a like film kind of thing way, right? It just didn't look like um, how I wanted to look like cinematic. Cinematic. There you go. That's the word. I, I was. It was like it was looking kind of like bland, and like it was just. I didn't like how it looked. So, and it was until um, it was until Rose showed me how to use the lighting for it. I was like, ah, so that's what I wanted to look like, <laughs> and it, it it totally worked out. Uh, I when I started filming it, when I started filming my first film, um, or my first short film, I wanted it to be very bright, and my surprise was it was too bright, <laughs> and everything was just white. It was just plain white i was like i was freaking out a little bit i was like oh rose what, what, gosh rose what was how did i do this <laughs> i was like 
I was so confused for a second, and then I figured it out. I actually I looked up I looked up how to use a camera properly, <laughs> and how to use the lighting, and then I kind of just followed the YouTube kind of thing. YouTube, YouTube, yeah, yeah. YouTube uh. tutorial kind of things, and then um, after that I just figured out everything. Those YouTube tutorials, that's the lifesavers. Dude, mm-hmm. use YouTube for use YouTube for for real though. Every like, young filmmaker out there, most important advice. Don't go YouTube. to film school. It's all on YouTube. Just kidding. Film school has its good opportunities. That's it's where fun. you meet people. Yeah, and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. My biggest eye-opener was less of something I learned on the individual production or editing mm-hmm. or writing days and more like a broad lesson I learned like in retrospect, which is that you – well, obviously you have to learn by doing, but you also won't really know what you like most about the process without doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, I – always knew I kind of wanted to write and direct abstractly. And part of directing is obviously explaining your vision, working with actors, stuff like that. I never would have known I actually would like directing, like, as a... As far as working with actors goes, I never would have known that had I not worked with actors in my earlier short films, like, by directing those shorts. And it's crazy, because you you always think you know what you want to do, but you never know for sure until you actually do it and that's kind of a broader lesson i learned along the way through short films and i'm certainly learning it uh relearning that lesson almost as i'm working on my current project Mm. yeah you do have to have some general sense of direction of what you want to do yeah no similar to you aj um my biggest like surprise when i started making films was cameras and like my first shoot pointing a camera and looking through the lens and like oh my god what's wrong with this (laughs) you know like this is like why is it bad when i want it to be good you know and i do nothing about lighting i knew nothing about aperture i just thought like it was like iphone you turn it on and you press record (laughs) you know (laughs) but it's nothing like that the amount of like work that goes into lighting like when you when you see stuff like Jarhead and they're like walking around in the middle of the night in the desert and you see them clearly and they look shiny but it looks like pitch black outside you're like how did they get that how how does like what camera on earth possibly looks like better than the human eye and then you look at the actual set and it's like oh they're spending like millions of dollars on these gigantic lighting setups that like spread a mile wide and like it it's you, you you gotta realize like when you're making the films it's like light they it, cameras suck in light and that's how a photograph like when you're taking a film photograph it's light hitting the film and like hardening the silver and washing it off and you, so you gotta think about like depth and blocking and this and that and there's so many things you gotta think about but when I first started making films I just thought like oh you just need a good camera and you just need like and when I actually started working with like like a $20,000 red camera and looking through it. And I was like, this looks like garbage. You know, I've made better stuff on a phone. And then then that's when it hit me. It was like, there's something else here. It's lighting. It's like, you can't just go outside and start filming. You have to have a bounce or you have to have ND filters or this and that. And there's so much to learn. And it's like, it makes it so intimidating to actually start working on videos and making videos when you realize that like, oh, sometimes you need equipment and equipment costs money or sometimes you need a better lens or, or God forbid, you need a better camera, you know. Um, 
And so achieving the vision that you want, if you want it to be grainy or noisy or whatever, you can work with anything. But if you want that pristine, solid Sundance cinematic look that you're going for, you have to like you have to use three point lighting. You have to use good cameras. You have to know aperture. You don't have to know how to make the background blurry or when to have everything in focus. It's there's so much to learn there, and I I don't think it's impossible. I think it's just important to actually learn and know these things going into a film and not learn as you go along because that's the perfect recipe for disaster and just making a bad product. And going on from that. And going into talking about equipment and things like that, has learning about specific filmmaking equipment like cameras, lighting, special effects, whatever, changed the way you approach filmmaking? Most definitely, actually. Yeah, most definitely. Because when I, again, like when I was working on my film, I was working on a white background, right? And all you, and I was wearing something blue, and all you can see in that camera was just blue, just a blue blur. And I was like, what the heck is this, dude? And it was like, I was trying, again, I was trying to fix it and stuff like that. But most definitely, lighting in the film is so important, dude. It's absolutely important. You can't, like, you can't just adjust, like, the camera. Well, you can, but, like, you, it just takes a lot of work with lighting as well. Like, um, for example, I do have, like, a a ring light to, when when I'm filming, I do have a ring light to, like, shine the <laughs> shine the person who's whoever is acting in there and like um yeah that's 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 what i learned so far about cameras and oh yeah and most definitely sound as well sound is also very important as well yeah i um i think for me sound i think i mean like we both were taught by mr blake who's a sound engineer so he obviously taught us the importance of sound um but i think for me sound and music i think is Mm -hmm. are probably like the two of the most important things like yes like capturing a pretty like like a nice like like video is very important um but i think at the core of like humans like what we hear and like how and like how we interpret that i think is really important um like um i just think back to like the star wars movies like to be honest like george um no not george lucas um oh my gosh i am blanking john williams god i'm an embarrassment john george williams yes george of the jungle john williams (laughs) um john williams really like literally pulled up like the prequel trilogy okay they he really did um because those movies are are very mid and honestly i want to bring like good film soundtracks back i know that there are good film soundtracks but like i think it's an empire when the millennium falcon is like flying away and like that part where it goes like bum 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 and like it's like they're like shooting at the millennium falcon and it's like that ah i love that so much it's also also very memorable as well like every time you hear like something from star wars you automatically know it's from star wars Mm -hmm. also i this is a small correction, but I do think we need to distinguish between soundtrack and score. Score is the instrumental, yes. whereas yes. soundtrack are like the actual songs. Well, and, yeah. yeah, and scores Sorry, are yes. usually made specifically for a yes. film, as opposed to soundtracks, which are like, oh, this song slaps, let's throw it in, you know. I I would love to bring that to to scores, um, and also to. Um, just in general, like I feel like sound, like hearing footsteps and not hearing footsteps, um, like the 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 intense strings of like a violin during like a tense scene, like I think all of that is just like so important. Um, 
and to bring it back to the question i i love like film scores and i'm like i i look back at like if there is a really good film score like i do go back and i listen to it um just to and you know for some movies like i can i can watch a whole movie in my head by just listening to the score and like i know like like i i know it like that's just what it is um which is just so funny so yeah i think sound and like the score and music um, really impacts the feel of a film. It also has, oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 I was about to say, yeah, no, uh, the teacher film school, 50% of the movie is sound, you know. Um, also, um, so sorry, I do have to go, but this has been a great round table discussion. Um, sorry that I'm leaving halfway through, but I gotta go. Going? I gotta go to my second, third job. I have, oh. I got, it's a, it's a triple feature as I like to tell myself. Thank you Hit for joining up. us today, of course. All it was right. good to Bye hear from you. Yeah. All right, yeah. Bye. She's exiting. <laughs> Daisy had to go, but we'll be right back after this short break. Alaska Teen Media Institute is looking for youth to join our team. As a youth producer, you can conduct interviews like the one you're listening to right now, edit audio, record voiceovers, help write scripts, and much more. And all of that is paid work. And get this, while we are based in Anchorage, you don't have to be there to work with us. A lot of the work we do is done remotely. So if you are between the ages of 13 and 24, living in Alaska and interested in joining at me, go to alaskateenmedia.org slash join. You can also email us at news at Now back to our filmmaker roundtable. All right, moving on. Um, let's go a little more rapid fire with these. Mm-hmm. What did you wish you know when you first started filmmaking? Or is there anything you wish you knew? Writing. <laughs> yeah, planning. Yeah, planning. No, yeah. Most definitely planning and writing. Because when I started, when I started my um, my short film, I just started off with the script. And it's, it is a good thing and also a bad thing because when I was writing the script, I wasn't putting any details, if that makes any sense. Like, um, how should I say this? Um, my character's name is Blue. He will be like, Blue says this. And he says it. <laughs> kind oh, of way. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's not like it's not like describing like where he is. It's not describing where he's at. It's because like mainly all of this is in my head, right? And I put half of it in the script. <laughs> no, um, one thing you should go take the Alfred Hitchcock advice and mm-hmm. um, a, man, a man walking through a door is the most boring thing ever, right? Right. It's just a guy walking through the door and you're just like, oh, okay. But <laughs> it's how he walks through the door. Is he coming in sloped down? Is he sad? Is, right. he, is he just crying? Is he coming in all drunk? Is he coming in happy and dancing? Or it's like it's... It's it's not necessarily the action of doing something, but mm. how it is done. It doesn't matter how like when you talk to someone in person, communication is like what twenty thirty percent what you're actually saying, and the rest of communication is how you're saying it, like tone, body language, right. you know, timing. Those things are really important. So it's important to anyone when they're writing is express detail, like the detail of. How something is done. I was not expressing any details in this in this script because, like, like again, I was still I'm still kind of new with filming and writing as well. And like the script that I was writing with was super choppy. Like, 
Blue comes into the couch and sits. Honestly, I just wish I knew how to work with people better. <laughs> <laughs> that is also true because, like, when I was working on this film, everyone was so busy, so, so, so busy, dude. Everyone was super busy. Everyone was having jobs and everything. I was I was in college, right, during that time, and I had this extra space during this day, and that was the day when everyone was working, and that was that's usually the day when I'm free, and it was so disappointing because like every every time I would call like a person like hey are you available like hey like um like are you available to do this this filming today and they would usually say no because they were busy at work and stuff like that that's that's one thing I learned because like one thing I learned is that like I need to figure out some people's scheduling and also planning planning is one yeah. big lesson I learned in this film f- working on a sh- short film. <laughs> Not this film nonsense. Just kidding. <laughs> what this whole episode's about. So, no, um, my advice, just plan. It's like it sounds so stupid. They're like, I don't wanna be reductive or sound reductive. No, you're cool. It's like it's like get your sleep, you know, like uh, <laughs> or like eat healthy. You know, just the most <laughs> basic advice ever. But no, seriously. If you're going in like I know there was the famous filmmaker, uh Werner Herzog, his quote, um, storyboards are for cowards you know oh, no no they're no. not so you need a storyboard you need to like have some idea of like we're going into a wide and then as it amps up we cut into a medium and when they deliver the big line it's a close-up you know you got to have those things planned out because unless you're some film super genius who already knows everything and you can just show up on the spot and make everything perfect you need to have everything planned out. You need to have your locations planned out. Mm-hmm. Take an extra day to go to your location and plan out what the shots are going to look like with the camera you're going to use with your cameraman if you've got one. Oh, um, yeah. sorry. I do want to mention something. So wh- this is like a horrible, horrible thing to say. Um, oh, no. I Cover your so, ears, kitties. Yeah, you should probably cover your ears. So when everyone was super busy and everything – during this time everyone was super busy i did not have time for like because i was still in college during that time and i was finding a job i I was super busy so when during that time when i was filming i was like you what let's just improvise everything no yeah no (laughs) that's what i did dude and like everyone did not have time to memorize the script i did not have time to memorize the script to the audience listening, do not try this at home. Yes, please do <laughs> yeah. not try this. This, uh, this is this an is absolute unanimous. fail. <laughs> unanimous. Yeah, no, we, we come to the unanimous agreement. Do not improvise. I've tried it. It's horrible. Don't. Some of the literally the worst things I've made have all been improvisation. And usually if you give a few teenagers a camera and a few <laughs> actors, they'll just come up with the most horrible, offensive thing ever. Yikes. And it's either going to be completely pointless or it's just going to be like just, just bad, you know? And it's like even if you have talent, what like like this isn't rap. This isn't like you can go freestyle, you know? <laughs> like like if you're a talented musician and can come up with lyrics on the spot, that's great. But when it comes to visual storytelling, you have to think ahead of the audience because the audience goes into films with scrutiny. Your visuals have to be as good as possible. Your acting has to be as convincing as possible. And your story has to have some point. And not only that, it has to be entertaining. And to think you can do all of those things off the top of your head 
just improvising like okay creativity go like oh my god you're Dude, arrogant it was you know so bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was everything was bad after <laughs> i improvised everything it was not good because like when i was improvising this oh goodness oh, it was so <laughs> stupid too i remember so i was um filming um the mama bear in my film and she, i decided to maybe if i just just walk and follow her just behind her and it was just this stupid shot of just being behind her while she's walking and like i i don't know what to do with that clip dude <laughs> it's, it's just it's, it's one of the no i know exactly what you mean um i've worked with like a lot of students before mm-hmm. and when i was a student and what they would be like is like, okay, let me do my own thing. And they would do some crazy shot where the camera's like flying around the character or something. And then they're like, this is supposed to be uh, like symbolic of us getting into the character's head and seeing through his perspective. And then when I look at the shot, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is so out of place and does not fit oh, in with man. anything. You know what I was like? No. It's like even if you have those good little sprouts of creativity, the reason you plan is to avoid Thinking like you're a genius on the spot, like, oh, my God, this is so deep and conceptual. Everyone's going to get it because you have to plan things out in coordination with everything else that's in the story. It's all one tightly knit, like, hour and a half experience. If it's a short film, it has to be even more tightly knit, like, five to 15-minute experience. And to think you can just come up with stuff to fill in those blanks, it, it takes, like, like hours sometimes mm-hmm. to get one shot that lasts 15 seconds and to build on minutes and minutes and to up to hours telling a story with shots that individually can take like half a day you know you got to be intentional you got to be concise you yeah. definitely need to plan and like make sure your vision is as kendrick put it concise because it's not going to be genius and everyone's not going to get it immediately you got to think for your audience I don't know where we're getting off on this little tangent here. Sorry to bring this back around. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. No, um, I guess we can tie this into uh, the next question. Um, what is your favorite director or any inspirational films, and Ooh. how have they informed your style or the stories you want to tell? Okay, so I want to go first. <laughs> so the Daniels and Jordan Peele. Oh, Jordan Peele and the Daniels. They. So what they do to their movies is where they put something so ordinary, like a typical day in your life, and just change it to something extraordinary, like what I said earlier. Like, um, for Access. example, like, have you seen one of Jordan Peele's movies? Is um, the movie Us was mm-hmm. one of my most favorite ones out of his um, trilogy of all of his movies. It's it's it just it's like um, it's also very meaningful as well, you know. And that also inspired me for making something again, like um, like something ordinary to extraordinary, like how a blue how a blue bear got famous over a video that he posted online if that makes any sense right um i guess and also everything everywhere all at once dude that's it's such a cool movie it's actually one of my most favorite movies of all time and um again it just takes something something ordinary like a laundromat lady who is just going to go to the IRS to do her, all of her taxes. 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 And she automatically goes to this wickedly multiversal <laughs> thing, and it's just crazy. 
Um, no, I, I love the fact that the, <laughs> the plot description for everything everywhere all at once is a, a lady tries to do her taxes. <laughs> yes, yes, just a lady trying to do her taxes. It's like, oh, my God, what a way to mislead your – I remember uh, I tried to talk my mom and my sister and my dad to go watch that, mm-hmm. and they were like, what is it about? And they were looking at it like, this doesn't look that good. And I was like – What? <laughs> like, well, no. I got them to watch it, and pretty much everyone I've shown like the movie is just like, that's such a bad plot description. Right. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I do not want to watch a lady do her taxes. But, <laughs> yeah, right. no, amazing film. Amazing I film. Mean, my actual, like, inspirations when I was, like, broadening my taste and, like, really getting into different modes of movies, mm. uh, they began as sort of, like, you know, the indie films of the 90s, you know, uh, stuff by, certain stuff by Wes Anderson, uh, Quentin Tarantino, uh, Kevin Smith. Those were, like, gateway filmmakers. I think they're gateway filmmakers to a lot of people, even if some of their movies don't always hold up. A gateway to the harder filmmakers. <laughs> I guess I guess so. A gateway to the Del Toros. <laughs> uh, yes. And, and the Del- David Lynch. <laughs> uh, of course. And I love I love all sorts of movies by Del Toro and Lynch. But when I think of the films that inspire me, uh, I immediately think of a handful. Like, I think of Billy Wilder. I think Ooh, of, yeah, yeah. I think of The the Apartment, which I think is phenomenal, <laughs> or Double Indemnity. Or oh, yeah. Sun- even Sunset Boulevard, which at first I didn't get it, but it resonates the more I think about it. Um, isn't he considered the best screenwriter of all time? He's considered one of them, according to Vulture and a few other publications. Also, uh, his script for Some Like It Hot. The reason I bring that up is because he's dead. It's so hilarious. He, he's it's Billy Wilder's dead now, by the way, R.I.P. But on his headstone, he he says, I'm a writer, but then again, nobody's perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, if you're familiar with it, is yeah. basically the last line of Some Like It Hot. In the oh. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, that film is hilarious. I, uh, I also really like the imperial phase of Francis Ford Coppola. Everything from The Godfather to Apocalypse Now, I think it's genuinely great. Oh, my God. Coppola. Like, yeah. that's like some cinematic perfection, like, there. Uh, uh, I will say, though, uh, as far as, like, I was thinking about this the other day, that when I think of, like, my film aesthetic like what i try to go for it took me a while to think about it but when i think of my aesthetic i think of it sort of like an attempt to riff on coppola's work on the conversation oh yeah uh, and also william friedkin's work on the french connection a few years earlier yeah he's that, he, that... i like the grimy location I, I like uh, william Friedkin um because he, he has a real good ability of like setting you in a time and place That's right. um, and like really solidly where you feel like you're there, and when things happen, it just like feels like it means a bit more. Yeah, if that makes sense. Um, d- favorite director Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick, no question. I think like I would argue for two hours with any person who's willing to argue with me about it on why Stanley Kubrick is like the best filmmaker ever who ever lived, best like cinematic photographer who ever lived. What, what movies has he worked on? <laughs> um, the Shining. Oh, okay. Then two, now, two, now, two, now I know. Okay, like 2001 two, Odyssey. Now uh, I know what you're talking about. Eyes Wide Shut, um, Paths of Glory, Full Metal Jacket, Doctor Strange Love. Like, those are, like, he's made, like, what? He's made 13 films. One of them, I guess you say 12 films because he disowned one of them. Um, but those are, like, some, like, those are cl- the closest, I think, besides, like, maybe Coppola or. Uh, Andrei Tarkovsky over in Russia or something, but mm. that's as close as we as humans are ever going to get to like perfection, uh, to oh. a, to a work of art being as close to perfect as possible. You know, Kubrick burns images into your head that you will never get out. 
you know, like putting images, thoughts, and ideas into your brain that will never leave ever mm-hmm. again and that will stick with you for the rest of your life. And he was aware of that. Yeah. And something about, like, the way he photographed, like, m- images and scenes was as, again, close to perfect as possible where every frame just looks like like you can hang it up in a museum, you know? It, or, like, it looks yeah. like a piece of art. Like, yeah, every frame of painting is also a YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, I, I think that phrase came describing Kubrick, Agreed. describing yeah. Stanley Kubrick, every frame of painting where he would create miniature models of the set he's working on, light it up a certain way, have the people create a set and light it a certain way, and you could take a picture of the miniature, hold it up, pull it down, and it's like you're looking at the picture. Like, the exact same thing. And the level of obsession that that takes, the the reason we're going to work that hard to, like, create a film is amazing. Mm. Kind of wrap it up here. What I'd like to ask you guys is, when you think about the movies you want to make, what impact do you envision them making on people? I guess how I want people to view my work is that I guess you I really want you to feel the characters and like I want you to feel the story as well like the one I'm working on right now is actually um, again like the the film I'm working on feeling blue is about a blue person who is um, well sad because um, I'll I'm actually technically this film is about my breakup that I've been work that I've been dealing with and how I've been processing it and I just want people to see how I just want people to see how I feel about this breakup I was going through through a film, if that makes any sense. Because again, how I like to write, um, I like to write and f- make films about things that are hap- that happens to my life, if that makes any sense. Like there's a saying that I like to say that um, when I was writing when I was writing. Um, you can't ex- you have to experience something to write something if that makes any sense cuz i've been like this past few years I, i've been experiencing a lot of bs and i like to write about it and make stories out of it um there was this one time i wrote about um um a mom i'm a, a zombie apocalypse and mom and a son are just going through this zombie apocalypse together and and how they're and how they are um processing this um this environment i also wrote about um a politician who is actually i don't want to put this out because i don't want anyone to steal my ideas (laughs) but really is what what i'm really saying is that um you have to experience something while you are writing something if that makes any sense because you can't be a writer if you haven't experienced anything you know like there has to be something going on in your life that makes you want to write <laughs> if yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and as for the impact i think my art would make this i obviously want them to experience the story i want to tell in that moment but the next thing i say might sound a little inconsistent with my other answers which is i like the idea of making a film that 
maybe people will kind of get, but maybe won't get immediately on the first watch. Like, I want to make films that have at least some degree of rewatch value where you watch it again and you're like, oh, I didn't notice that before. Like, I like the idea of making films that stand the test of time. Whether or not they do, that'll be up to the viewer. Hmm. I think it's important when making films that you have some idea of, like, what impact you want them to have on people or... It's really easy to go into a project like full force off of just an idea mm. and like I really want to do this or I want there to be a scene of this or like I want to show someone fighting, so someone getting chased down a hallway, whatever. Um, when you're making films, you have to have some point to it because it's one of the hardest, most difficult and unpleasant jobs you could ever have. Mm. Not saying it's as difficult as like manual labor but to, no it is manual labor you're sometimes carrying up to like 75 hundred pound metal equipment and carrying them set to set doing some really genuinely back-breaking work just it's because the, oh, yeah i know it, i hear i hear yeah. um but w when you're making something you gotta you, again you gotta have a point you're taking someone to the to the ether you know to the fringes of your mind and to a place or some universe that doesn't exist or something Again, something that doesn't exist. Hmm. And when, when I make my films, they're usually a lot of the times based off of dreams I had. And dreams that were so, I don't, I'm not going to say profound, but were so striking or terrifying or just so poignant to me that even if I don't fully understand what they mean, probably will never understand what they mean, that I have to express those ideas, those images one way or the other because I'll probably go crazy if I don't. Um, and like Orson Welles said, like he would have rather anything else ruined his life, <laughs> you know, um, like drinking or food, but he chose films and as much as he hated doing it because <laughs> it was such hard work, there was nothing else he, he wanted to do or that he could do besides like he was doing theater and radio, but that wasn't it for him. And when he figured out what it was, he pretty much threw his life away to do it. And although he didn't have a very successful career, he left us with some of the best films ever made. Lady and Lady from Shanghai, Citizen Kane, The Magnificent Ambersons are some of the most like powerful films like ever put to the film, you know? And he gave his life for that pretty much. Um and so again, you have to have some point or it, it has to feel like your duty or that you're were drawn or driven to make films because there was nothing else that could possibly ever make you happy, you know, because yeah, this is, you have to be a madman to go work on hour and a half long experiences that people will put on in their bedroom with their friends and then completely forget about because it's a very thankless job sometimes. And it's very hard to break out into the industry. So a lot of people just question, why do they do it in the first place? For everyone in this room, I would hope it's like a full blown passion. Yeah, yeah. It, it is definitely a full-blown passion. I'm so one of my main things is why I don't continue like this this passion is because I'm scared that people won't view it and I'm scared that people won't like it. That's like one of my main fears of like um making films. It's it's I guess and also is that I also want to like make a good amount of money for making films as well and like 
if that makes any sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course, you gotta. I mean, if we can all just pay money to make films for the rest of our lives, I'm sure right. we'll do it. But um, yeah. No, this is a scary thing. Um, you have to be kind of crazy to want to make these, but um, I think it's important and it gives a lot. It adds a lot of substance to people's lives. Uh, these stories that uh, you can tell and. As hard, as difficult, and as mind-breaking as it can be sometimes, hunched over a computer for 12 hours, mm -hmm. putting together a project that no one may ever see, that's such a unique feeling, being there on set with your friends or people you may even hate, with your camera and your equipment, your actors, the lights, and thinking, this is something that will either be very much appreciated or that no one will like at all. And that risk, that danger is such an exhilarating feeling of like, this is this is going to make people feel something. Mm. And it, I, like at a certain point, I stopped caring whether or not people like it because it's there and it will exist. Um, and if I ever make something powerful enough, I hope it outlives me, you know, and in all seriousness, hope it adds something, some substance to the lives of others. Um Thank you both for coming on, and uh, thank you to Daisy Carter, who we just um, left. <laughs> yeah, who left a little bit ago. But yeah, no, thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> You've been listening to Film Club, a production of Alaska Teen Media Institute. Our show's theme music was composed by Kendrick Whiteman. Alaska Teen Media Institute is based in Anchorage, Alaska. We would like to acknowledge the Dena'ina people whose land we work on. Many thanks to supporters of our podcast, including the Alaska Community Foundation through the 2022 Healthy Communities Arts, Culture, Play Grant. The views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent the views of our sponsors. Thanks to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Alaska and help keep our podcast going, you can support us through Patreon. It's a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support creative endeavors like Atme. Just go to patreon.com slash alaskateenmedia. You can also help out by subscribing to, rating, or writing a review of our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Every little bit helps us get our stories out there. And if you are a youth ages 13 to 24 who loves movies and is interested in being part of our film club, go to alaskateenmedia.org slash join. Or you can email us at news at alaskateenmedia.org. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alaska Team Media. Follow us for all sorts of updates. For Alaska Team Media Institute, I'm Ormond Lois. Thanks for listening. <laughs>